The devil is in the details. That's true for any resume. I'm going to suggest you judiciously maintain that mindset when you're writing a resume for policing. In this episode of Career Podcast with Audrey Prenzel. Thank you for joining me. Applying to any police service takes a lot of preparation. Candidates focus on the qualifications, fitness, filling in enough volunteer hours, securing professional references, securing character references, as well as trying to make sure that the experience they're bringing to the table aligns with the policing industry. Uh, Say security, for example. None of this matters, though, if you can't get past that initial screening stage. And you can't get past that initial screening stage without a resume. That's why I'm here. I've lost count. (laughs) I've written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of resumes for police candidates across Canada since 2001 to join their police service of choice, as well as for existing police men and women who want to move up within their existing police service. And of course, many, many, many of these people are also current or they were former military police members, military police officer candidates. So I will be mentioning some particulars for our Canadian Armed Forces MPs, members, in this podcast as well. I want to start by taking it from the top. Pay attention to the letterhead. People don't always really give it much thought. Include your full name and put your common name in brackets if it's not something you use on a day-to-day basis. You want instant familiarity with somebody reviewing your document and also for the person if they were being called for a reference. So for civilian resumes anymore, we don't necessarily need addresses, but you do need your full mailing address here applying for policing, including the postal code. It stuns me how many people put their addresses in, and then they neglect to put in their postal code. Put your most accessible phone number and indicate whether it's a cell. I usually put cell slash text and then the area code and the rest of the phone number. Honestly, I do this for all resumes. It just gives the caller a frame of reference for what phone they're actually calling. Is it a work phone or is it a personal cell? Of course, you want to include your personal email. Do not put your work email. People submit applications and switch jobs, and then they can no longer be contacted electronically. Plus, it just appears unprofessional. You want your applications and all your documents, trailing history notes, to go to your own personal email and not be filtered through your workplace email. If you do have a LinkedIn profile, and hopefully you've created a vanity profile, aka a personalized URL, blow away all that defaulted letter number gibberish that usually shows up at the end of your LinkedIn URL, you want that vanity URL in your letterhead. Next, you want a clear marketing title. Use the police services job title and put the word candidate behind it. So, for example, if you want to join the OPP as a provincial constable, 
you banner OPP provincial constable candidate across the top of the page, but just under the letterhead. Use the exact same term listed on the police services employment page. If the job ad says police recruit, you put police recruit candidate. If the job ad says constable recruit, you put constable recruit candidate. Directly after this, you want to have a brief but impactful opening paragraph that indicates what you offer and what you're known for. Some sample points to mention in this section could be security or army experience, could be work leadership, could be mental health advocacy, it could be real-life problem and conflict resolution capabilities, it could be your fitness level, it could be your adaptable nature, it could be your unbiased nature dealing with people. It could be bilingualism or multilingualism or your extreme community service orientation. This is probably the only type of resume where you really need to put every job you've ever had. You're going to have to list them, or you should, (laughs) reverse chronologically. So to be clear, that means your most recent job is listed first, and then you go backwards from there. If it's been many years since you first started working and you've had quite a few positions, you can simply just list where you worked in those earlier years. You just put the year, what your job title was, and where the place of work was. You don't have to list your duties or achievements. When you are listing your duties, we want to be brief, but we also want to include relevant nuances that policing recruiters like to see. They like to see how you deal with conflict or how do you solve problems. They even like to see elements of the job, the job that you're in now, let's say, that lend themselves to policing, like taking detailed notes or working in uniform or operating within a chain of command type structure, such as the military, or even working over weekends holidays, and doing shift work. (laughs) Side note here, I once had five police officer projects on the go all at the same time. And just by odd happenstance, they were all looking to progress within their respective agencies. And none of them were in the same agency and none of them knew each other. And they were all based here in Ontario. So they were all in the same time zone, but they were all working night shift the week I was scheduling to do all their projects. So as an efficiency aficionado, I decided to work the night shifts with them. So I slept during the day that week. And then I asked them questions and messaged them and had a few chats with them during their night shift. It was kind of different, but I enjoyed it. It allowed me to get their projects done on time. That's just kind of how I operated. They all thought it was amazing, but that's just how I rolled. Okay, so for your current and previous jobs, going back, say, no more than five years, you just want to provide that brief overview of your duties in a fully justified paragraph. Fully justified in terms of formatting. That means that paragraph is being dragged equally between the left and right margins. 
you don't want any more than, let's say, five lines of continuous text in that paragraph, assuming a size 10 font. You want the information, but it's got to be succinct. I use Arial font just as notification or just as a point. It's a, a good one. It's easy to read and it's not too fat. It doesn't take too much room. It doesn't have curly cues all over it. It's a sans serif, so it's easy on the eyeballs to read. When you want to show your achievements, you're going to use bullets underneath this fully justified paragraph. Please don't blend your duties in with your achievements. It strips your marketability. For those of you who are leaving the Canadian Armed Forces or have already done so, I know many of you apply to provincial and municipal police services. The same basic process applies to you. Let's detail, say, your last two or three jobs. So that's encompassing about five years total of reversed chronologically um, jobs with the duties and the achievements. You can generalize your earlier work when you first joined until that first job that you've listed in detail. Remember, tours, whether three or six months, let's say, can be incorporated into the job timeline from where you were posted at that time. They don't necessarily have to be listed as separate jobs. And honestly, I wouldn't. It becomes confusing. So for example, if you were posted to Edmonton and then you went on a six or three month overseas tour, place it as a bullet under your total time serving at CFB Edmonton. In terms of education, have one dedicated section for this. I'm talking about your degrees, your diplomas, certifications, any professional development courses or seminars you've taken. If you have one professional or trade license, I would still lump it in with this section. If, however, you have multiple licenses, then and only then would I list it in a separate dedicated section immediately after the education section. I probably would not chunk everything into different sections, such as diplomas and degrees in an education section, and then courses, and then licenses, and then certifications. Education and professional development go hand in hand and could and should be in one section, all grouped together. When I've seen people create separate sections oddly, they tend to scatter the sections throughout the resume. Doesn't make sense to me. There's no strategy behind it. I've seen over the years people have work experience and then they'll list licenses and then they list volunteer activities and then education and then perhaps speaking engagements if that was something they did. Then professional development. See what I mean about chopping up and spitting out your education and training throughout a document? Why? It doesn't make sense. When your credentials are strewn throughout the document, your marketability erodes substantially. Busy screening personnel and contracted recruiters and contracted initial document screeners, who are often retired police officers, by the way, they don't want to have to search and try and find where all your education and training is. In fact, they won't. They don't have to because other people will have it organized into one section. One final tip about your education section. I know a lot of you have courses 
to add to the portion of your resume in the professional development section. But I mean, I'm talking a lot of courses. I, I know many of you will have 30 courses, let's say, on top of a diploma and or a degree. But please avoid the tendency to put the word training or course behind the training or the course. Simply say the name of the program and where you took it in the year. So for example, say Human Trafficking Awareness, Ontario Police College 2023. Don't say Human Trafficking Awareness Course. Got it? Okay, let's keep moving. I'm going to pitch a few extra sections to think about. How about a dedicated technology section? Most people don't include this, and it can boost the candidacy of the applicants. Show what you know. You simply include a list of the programs that you use, such as Microsoft Office. But I'd like you to think beyond that to other applications that you've used at work, such as CPIC, that's Canadian Police Information Center. If that's something you've used, even if you're not in policing yet, many places uh, have access to that. Paris, P-A-R-I-S, if you've used it, you know it. Any computer-aided dispatch applications you've used, any case management programs you've had access to for whatever reason, drones, coding, advanced photography skills, GIS mapping solutions, ethical hacking, anything technologically based you can use, include it in this section. Here's another section that people can overlook, languages. If you are bilingual, of course, you're going to weave that throughout your document in context. You would mention it in that opening paragraph I talked about, but it doesn't make sense to give yourself a dedicated language section. You could showcase it in context within your work experience. I'd put it in a bullet. You could write something such as pivot between English and French as needed while translating documents within the office, something like that. If you are someone who can speak more than two languages, you should have a languages section, and that's exactly what you would call it, languages, nothing else. I once had a client who was fluent in five quite rare languages from Africa. I was preparing his application for both policing and CBSA. He was from Africa in the first place, and then he moved to Canada. And so when he was here, that's when he retained me. So he had applied previously with no luck to CBSA, that's Canadian Border Services Agency. And it wasn't until I asked him if he spoke any other languages, and he said, sure. He spoke five of them. He forgot. He forgot to include them in his resume. <laughs> One was Swahili, which isn't uncommon. However, he also spoke Ta, that's T-A-A, -A, which is believed to be the world's most difficult language. He also knew other ones that are not so common in Canada, such as Fa and Ga. Fa, F-A, Ga, G-A. I mean, how useful would fluency in these languages be in ethnically diverse communities or at an international airport. So we included them. To help you situate this section strategically in your resume, I start with that opening marketing title you heard me talk about at the beginning of this podcast, and then that brief introductory paragraph you also heard me mention, and then I include 
the languages section. So which the third part down, if applicable, if you have one. Then I list the work experience. In terms of content for the languages section, you can simply say fluent in French, Spanish, and German, if that's the case. If you have different levels of proficiency in these languages, you can break it down further if you want between reading, writing, and speaking. In this section, sign language is considered a language, of course, and it's super important. So don't just say sign language, say sign language, but say whether it's ASL or whether it's signed English. Important skills and do not overlook them. One thing to keep in mind when you're preparing a resume for a police service is that it's important for that information to align with the application. You're going to have a multi-page application to fill in, usually 10 plus pages. And you want to take the time to cross-reference, to check job titles, places of work, years. They all have to match with your resume. Check, double-check, and triple-check this. Again, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen people create a resume with specific information on it, but then they get sloppy and lazy when it comes to filling in that application. The information just simply doesn't match. And I'm not talking about laziness just with the information. I'm talking about laziness to the extent that they forget to put a capital on words like street. They have main with a big N and street with a small s. Why? Why couldn't you make the big S on street? Or they don't put a period at the end of a sentence. There's no excuse for this other than just not putting the effort in. Still with the same idea, you know you're going to be searched online. So again, make sure your LinkedIn profile, if you have one, aligns with the information presented in your application package and the resume. Consistency is key. Oh, and I'll just add briefly about LinkedIn. Sometimes people get a little scared and believe that if they do have a LinkedIn profile, no police service will touch them because they fear they're breaching some sort of privacy protocol. Not true at all. Many entry-level and many senior-most level policing professionals across Canada and beyond are not only on LinkedIn, they're active on it. And many, many, many of them are my clients. So I'm telling you, you can be on LinkedIn. I'm not saying divulge secrets but I'm saying it's okay to be on LinkedIn. Incorporate a volunteerism or community involvement, community investment type section. For work-related volunteer initiatives, it's logical to place this as achievements in the bulleted section of work experience, except for policing. Human resources and recruiters folks from the policing agencies want that volunteer involvement to be in one isolated, easy-to-find section. As with anything, preparation is key. Keep the content in this section to within the last two years. In fact, some police agencies stipulate they don't care what you did more than two years ago. If there is 
anywhere anyone's going to be discovered with misinformation on a resume, it's usually the volunteer section. Please don't fake this part. Don't say you volunteered somewhere and have your uncle at the at the organization vouch for you. That always backfires. Let's see. A secret weapon I like to include is a fitness section. So yes, for a lot of applications, you need to create a fitness log. Do that. Absolutely. But I'm suggesting in addition to that, you dedicate some geography on your resume to what your fitness habits are. You just list what you do. If you're a Spartan super beast or some sort of other mud or warrior phenom, this is where you would list it. If you're one of those people who's simply dedicated to regular fitness routines, you just simply list them, such as running or hockey, rock climbing, and jiu-jitsu. Now, don't confuse this with volunteerism. So if you coach hockey or soccer, let's say for children or teens, that goes in the volunteer section, not in your physical conditioning section. Now, this is where things can get a little prickly and people don't always like when I say this or they'll just argue with me and that's fine. But if you can keep it to one page, keep it to a page. If you can keep it to two pages, then keep it to two pages. Unless you're a very, very senior level experienced policing professional, you don't need to be on three pages. Three pages is ego for any entry level policing position. It's ego and it's poor formatting. I'm just going to let that settle with you. If you don't believe me, send me your document. If it's three pages, I'll tell you what's wrong with it. I always put my money where my mouth is. So that's it. That's my insight into writing countless cover letters and resumes, personal statements, application packages for men and women entering or progressing within the municipal, provincial, and national police services. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you tuning in to Career Podcast with Audrey Prenzel. Please feel free to share this podcast with someone you think could benefit from it. Leave comments and, of course, hit subscribe. If you'd like a PDF copy of my popular book, Military to Civvy Street, e-transfer $20 to audrey.prenzel at gmail.com and I'll send you the link to download it. Although I'm not writing so much anymore, I am available for one-to-one coaching and career advisement. Email me, audrey.prenzel at gmail.com. You're welcome to follow me and message me on Instagram and Twitter. Look for Audrey Prenzel. Life can be challenging. Until our next episode, purposefully take good care of yourself. Music